You're listening to the DIY Recording Guys podcast, your one-stop information source for DIY music production, with your hosts, Fadim Karaz and Benjamin Hall. Hello all, and welcome to another episode of the DIY Recording Guys. As always, I'm your host, Benjamin Hall, with DreamLot Studio. And I'm Vadim from Calm Frog Recording. So I just had something pop into my head just randomly, and okay. I don't know if I ever asked you this, but where does the name Calm Frog come from? That's a good question. I honestly don't really remember. I, I remember... Being at work around like 2013, I would sit at my desk and you know, those work days where you're like, it's 3 PM and like, I'm, I'm toast. I'm not doing <laughs> yeah. anything else. Yeah. And I would like, I had a notepad file open and I would type in different combinations. Like I knew I wanted some kind of animal and I wanted some kind of adjective. Cause I just like the way those things, I was thinking of like, uh, like flip mode squad or like <laughs> whatever, <laughs> jump the shark i don't know yeah and so i would try different combinations of things like different combinations of adjectives or whatever and i kind of liked calm frog and then i doodled like the logo on my computer and then my wife put headphones on the frog <laughs> and i was like that's kind of cool yeah i can go with this <laughs> i like that it's different bad reason not a bad reason it's a unique reason it would be cool if it had like a like a backstory you know like I was uh, lost in the woods <laughs> for three weeks, no food. I started hallucinating and then I saw a frog just sitting peacefully and I swear it looked like it was wearing headphones and the frog guided me <laughs> out of the forest. And when I got out of the forest, there was a recording studio and I had never even heard music in my life until that point. Something like that, you know, that would be a cool story. <laughs> I have a challenge for you you need to somehow turn this story into like a visual guide for people whenever they find your website. The first thing they see is this video telling the story of how you followed yes. the magic frog into the studio. You get a spiritual journey yeah. to work with me. Yeah. And then you say at the end, like that, that was all made up. I just came up with it one day at work. Yeah. That'll be the, dis <laughs> the fine print disclaimer. I'm not going to say it, but it'll, yeah. it'll, it'll be in there. All of these characters are fictional and also do not reflect any of my views on anything. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no frogs were harmed in the making of this podcast. Yes. No. Oh, we should start saying that. Yeah. <laughs> I just always assumed that you were the calm frog and your, your, your nickname in high school was frog for some reason. See, that's what I get a lot. People are like, that sounds like, they're, that sounds like a college nickname or something, but no, it was nothing like that. Huh. Yeah, what's what's yours? I mean, your studio name is very cool. Well, thank Dream you. Dream Loud Studio. Thank you. I love that concept. That really I mean, it really speaks to I think like what I wanted to do when I was like I'm going to start recording music, right? Yeah. But um and I know it was the name of a previous podcast you co-hosted, but what's what's the story? Is there a story behind that? It really is very similar to what you did. Like I was kind of thinking like I need to name it something. And I want it to be not just a cool name, but a name that kind of reflects something about me or something about the studio. And I think very much at the time, I felt like a lot that I was doing with music was just kind of bringing the dreams that I've had 
you know, ever since I was a young kid and like fell in love with rock music. Like I right. felt like I was actually taking those dreams that I had that I forgot about and, and turning them into reality. And mm. I really wanted to do the same thing for other people because there's something very magical about, uh, you know, being a young kid and hearing a, a band on the radio and having that thought of, I'm even thinking middle school or high school and thinking, man, like that would be so cool if I could be that or do something like that. And then one day, you know, 10 years, a dozen years later, you record an album and it actually sounds even in the realm of the things that you heard on the radio. And there's something very like cathartic about that. And oh, totally. And I know I've experienced that. And so I kind of wanted to blow people's socks off the same way. I totally agree with you. That is like my favorite part of any project is when people you work with are just like thrilled with the production or the mix and they, you know, they can't believe how good it sounded. Like, cause, cause you're right. Cause for us, I think it comes from that feeling of having done it ourselves with our own music and people a lot of time this is so funny because it's banter like we didn't plan this at all but it actually no. kind of ties into our episode but people a lot of times don't know how good their stuff can sound I yeah think, that's I a great like, point you know they'll hear a song and i'll be like this is gonna sound good like i'll know in my head this is gonna sound good when it's done mm -hmm. and they don't necessarily have that full vision they have a song but they don't understand how the full production is going to be and so that is a very very cool thing to be able to do with people yes i agree to, to kind of be the uh you're kind of the gandalf to the hobbits <laughs> i don't know why i came up with that <laughs> i love it man i'm the lord of the rings guy but uh, go for it i yeah. can't get enough of that stuff <laughs> oh i love it too yeah but you're, you're just kind of guiding them on the journey and you have this reassuring presence about yourself because you've made the journey before yes yeah exactly yeah totally very cool well that was a a really wonderful segue on today's topic which is should you diy mix your project and i gotta say like usually you and i are really over prepared for these episodes or so this one i think is more freewheel we're just gonna kind of banter a little bit we haven't discussed it and just thought it would be a cool topic to kick around a little bit. So yeah, where do you want to start here? So I was thinking about this a little earlier today because you'd thrown the topic idea out to me, but we hadn't prepped anything. And I was just kind of thinking, right. well, what different ways could you approach this from? So maybe I'll throw a couple out there and then we could talk about those and maybe add any other perspectives. So I think the two main ways of thinking about it are, the first one would be you know, in the true spirit of DIY, let's just do everything ourselves. You know, why not? Because obviously you can learn something from it. I definitely think that there's something to be said for learning some aspect of mixing, or at least how things can sound later can definitely affect the way you record. I definitely record a lot differently now that I know some mixing tricks. Hmm... So there's definitely something to be said for understanding the way that the mixing process works can help recording on the front end. So, I mean, that's an argument for doing it yourself. Absolutely. Yeah, I'll just hang my hat on that. We can talk about that first one. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a great one. I think you're right. Doing the mixing 
and kind of struggle, like wrestling with it, not necessarily struggling, but wrestling with the mixing will, without a doubt, affect the way you record because you'll realize that you're compensating. Some of the things you're doing when you're mixing are compensating for things you could have done better or differently when you were recording. So it is a really nice feedback loop. I didn't even have that on my list, but I think that's a really powerful idea. And yeah, the idea of just doing everything yourself is also salient to me. Like that is a mindset and an element of control and Mm. also an element of pride that comes with that when you do finish a thing from start, you know, idea on the cell phone to the end where you have something that is completely finished that is cool. I mean, it's cool to go through that whole thing on your on on your own. It's it can also be grueling. Yeah. Uh, so I I think those are some some good flags. I mean, also by mixing yourself, you you will also learn about mixing, obviously. And if that's something, if you're interested in making music, mixing is such a huge part of the music production process that having at least some understanding of it is great. And you can watch a million videos, but until you dig in and try to like start doing it you'll never really learn it, right? Right. Yeah, totally, 100%. Starting on a positive note on, on, or a, a, a four yeah. reasons for doing it. Josh was talking to us about this. Like Josh Dorn, when we had him on whatever episode it was, 53, writing and arranging for a whole band. We had Josh Dorn on. So he even said this. He's like, look, I don't know anything about, I don't know much about mixing or production, but when I write, Part of my process is doing certain things with panning and it's a way to flesh out your ideas. And so like, even if you're not going to be the person mixing it, but you have this idea of like, well, I want the guitar to come in. I want the guitar solo to start on the right and then swoop across the stereo field. Like those are creative ideas that you can communicate. And even if you don't get the perfect final finished polished sound you want, you've still effectively communicated what you were going to do. And so like actually the album I'm finishing up mixing now, the band sent me their rough mixes, not because necessarily they were completely happy with how they sounded, but they gave me an idea. And so I would pull them up and just, okay, there's five guitars. Which one is the important one? By listening to their rough mix, they were able to tell me what were the important pieces. So I guess it's just a way to like, get your ideas a little bit firmer than just, I recorded a hundred tracks, here you go, somebody else, mix them. It's a way to kind of flesh out some of your own productions. It's a long-winded explanation. Yeah. Anything to add there? I don't think, I I think you explained that really well. While you were talking about it though, I came up with another pro. This one might be pretty obvious. I don't know why we didn't say this er earlier, but um, you could save money. So either if you don't have the money or... If you want to put that money into other things, if you mix the album yourself, you're not going to have to pay somebody else to do it. Yeah, we should have totally thought of that, of course. Yeah. DIY, that's one of the huge things of DIY is you always save money. DIY, you don't always save time. You almost yeah. never save time. <laughs> so I can tell you from DIY building a bunch of like furniture and stuff in my studio, uh, it takes months to, for me to build anything. So whatever money I saved, you know, it's, yeah. I don't know if it's worth it or not. But yeah, anyway, those are, I think those are some great, great reasons. Absolutely. If you're on a budget, if you're new to this, if you're fleshing stuff out and you just have an interest in it, those are all great reasons to uh, to go DIY. So maybe we should 
dive into the the cons of going DIY now. Sure. Yeah. So I think one con is it's similar to what we talked about with mastering. I think there's an element of getting a second opinion on something that can take it to the next level. You're a sponge and you've wrung yourself out in the writing and production phase and figuring out what the lyrics were going to be. And there is a sense of like exhaustion that starts to or creative exhaustion or snow blindness, as I like to call it, that starts to set in. You kind of lose sight of the big picture of where it's going. And this is a reason mm-hmm. I think a lot of songs die. You know, people never finish these songs is because they have an idea, they're excited, they start layering stuff together, but then they run out of steam. And this is where like sending that to somebody else who has a fresh sponge that then they can wring out and to get you a good mix, that can be a really powerful thing to have at your disposal. I'll, I'll start there, I guess, is just having a second person working on it can be beneficial from an energy and vision standpoint. What yeah. do you think? I think that's probably the best argument as to why you shouldn't. And hmm. I'm such a huge, like, I wasn't always like this, but I, I think especially ever since you mastered that last EP that I gave you for me, it's just like made me such a, a big like proponent of just don't do your own stuff. And I think that there's, there's multiple reasons why. And this is, it's really hard for me to say it too, because I am very much a do it yourself person in every area of my life, not just with mixing. Mm. So there's like whole elements of like even pride, like wrapped up into that too, because it feels awesome to say, I did this all myself and I didn't have help from anybody else. But, um, especially with like mixing and and of songs that you wrote yourself. I know for me, and I know there are other people out there like me, maybe not as bad, but I know for me, I can get hung up so much on things that don't matter because it's my own stuff. Whether that's, yeah. oh man, like I did not play that guitar riff tight enough. Like I need to track it again. I need to re-edit it. Mm. Uh, oh man, my voice sucks so bad. I need to, like just working... Or messing with all these particular things. And it's not like I'm wrong. It, it it doesn't mean that like, yeah, that part couldn't be better. But I think if you can let go of that a little bit and, and just maybe commit to saying like, I'm going to record all my vocals this weekend and I'm going to give it my best shot. And however it turns out, I'm just going to say they're done and I'm sending them to somebody else and they can deal with it. Because I think sometimes when when you're able to like, separate yourself from your creation and give somebody else that creative like fresh ear on it they could probably shock you with what they give you back whereas totally conversely if you would have just done it yourself you're still retracking vocals for the third or fourth time because you're still not happy with it yeah absolutely there's a lot of those those hang up points and to some extent Everything that comes into my studio, I'm going to make it sound better, <laughs> right? Yeah. It makes sense. that That's true for, for all of people that are doing this for money. Otherwise, they wouldn't be doing it. So that's, I think that's the same experience I had when you mastered the track for me. It was like, I pushed that track 
to as far as I could I could take it without driving myself crazy. And then I sent it to you and you were like, I'm just going to make it sound better. Yeah, <laughs> it was. It was better. And so there is an element to that. Um, the next thing kind of ties into this a little bit, but there's this concept that was made famous by Malcolm Gladwell, who's an author in his book, Outliers. So there's a book about just different people who exhibit excellence in various things, be it sports or music or whatever. Malcolm Gladwell kind of studied all these people like the Beatles and Steve Jobs and uh, Canadian hockey players, right? And so like what sets these people apart truly? Right? Is it just, it's, not, it's not just raw talent. And what he found was this 10,000-hour rule, which basically says that to achieve excellence in something – consistently across things, be it sports or music or whatever, takes roughly 10,000 hours. So you have to practice something for roughly 10,000 hours to achieve excellence. And so this is where you get into like, you're trying to do a whole series of processes all by yourself. Almost certainly you don't have 10,000 hours worth of expertise in all of those steps. You probably don't have 10,000 hours expertise in most of those steps. Maybe you're a fantastic guitar player. Maybe you're a fantastic lyricist, but you're not going to be a fantastic guitarist, lyricist, producer, mixer, master, promoter guy, right? So this is where like outsourcing can really supercharge your project is you, you hire somebody who has a very specific expertise in a very specific thing that you are not an expert in. And that can just it will make your project better, almost certainly, right? Right, yeah. I don't think I've read that 10,000-hour book, but, like, has anybody actually read the 10,000-hour book? I just think everybody knows the title and talks about it. No, I've read it. Have Outliers you read it? Okay. Is, is the, yeah, the name of the book is Outliers, and it's, um, it's a really interesting book. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mail it to you. I got, I got another package oh, I got to mail to you. Yeah, awesome. I'd love yeah, to read I'm it. I'm going to send it to you. It's interesting. Yeah, it's, good. it's a good book. And I've heard some criticisms about it, too, but I think... It's more true than it is uh, not true, is what, is what mm. it just feels right. That like, <laughs> yeah, it isn't just pure talent that sets these certain things apart. Like we, each human on the planet has like a certain level of talent at different things, but you have to put in the time to like be able to like harness the talent yeah. to, to put into anything. So I think about it from my perspective, as far as, you know, being a studio owner, I just don't play like, guitar and bass and drums that much anymore because yep. I'm focusing so much time on mixing or learning how to mix better, arranging songs. Like I feel like the only time I play guitar and, and drums or bass is when I'm tracking it for another artist. Isn't that interesting? Totally. I have the same thing. Yep. And so like, I guess that's just kind of a warning out there. Like if you want to get into mixing, there's nothing wrong with that, but I almost can guarantee you that you're going to just stop playing guitar and so stop songwriting because all of your focus is going to be changed from one thing to another. Or you'll find out that like, man, I really hate mixing. <laughs> so I'd rather sure. focus on one thing. I, I just think it's really hard to do both. Yeah, there's an opportunity cost. You only have so much time. And so like what you're going to have to give something up. Most of us are busy all day. So uh, you're going to, cause what's going to happen is if you've never done a mix before, you're going to do it and you're not going to be happy with the result. I guarantee it. If it's your first mix and then you have to make a decision. Am I going to sink a bunch of hours into learning how to do this better, which is great, 
But if you do, where are those hours going to come from? And so that, I mean, that's what happened to, to you and to me. And, and you're right. I never practice guitar anymore. I haven't practiced guitar in years. And like, yeah. part of me hurts because of that, because I, you know, guitar was a big part of my life growing up and I've had to leave it to, to focus on these other things in a sense. So yeah, there's opportunity cost for sure. Yeah. So this is related to the first pro um, you should do it yourself. Remember how I, I mentioned that, you know, it's cheaper. You're going to save money. Mm. Maybe it's not actually cheaper. <laughs> mm. I, I, I thought about that. Um, I just had come into my mind uh, when I first started building our practice space for the first professional band I was in right out of college. We had the idea, we're going to build our own acoustic panels for this practice mm -hmm. space. And I think that's a great idea. I'm not hating on anybody that wants to build practice or, or acoustic panels. I think I will build my own for the next ones I do. So I'm not hating on that. But I was telling my neighbor, who was also like a pretty serious musician, hey, we're thinking about building these acoustic panels. We're, we're really excited about it. And he was like, all he did was just give me this snarky response as, as far as like, yeah, so how much money are you actually saving with this when you calculate in? all the extra time we're going to put into it and the cost of the raw materials, like what you're saving, like 10, you're saving like $10 on every panel and it's going to take you like four months longer to do the whole project. And it just like, yeah. it made my heart like sink in that moment because I realized that he was right. <laughs> because even though we were saving money, we had to learn how we had to learn all the aspects of the panel that we needed. So we did like weeks of research we had to order the parts, so it took time for them to come in. We had to spend yep. all the time and labor building it, either renting or borrowing tools to use to like cut the parts and install them. Then we had to install everything. And they still looked like crap. <laughs> I, think, I, right. I think when all was said and done, I would have rather just paid somebody else to do it. They would have at least got, got to us within a week. Yeah, it's so true. I had the same experience. I built all the panels in my studio and like the last one I built looked really nice. Yeah. But like, <laughs> you know, it, 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 it takes time. It took me months to finish those panels and I'm not sorry I did it. And I'll probably build my next set also because now I that's a skill I acquired. But you're absolutely right. And, I'll, and it actually reminded me of another topic, which is tools do you have the tools to build panels do you have the tools to do your own mix yeah like you and i both have at this point accumulated <laughs> thousands of dollars of plugins yeah right and to some extent like yes it's mostly knowledge but some of the sound does come from plugins you probably don't have all of the tools that we have Right. So that might be another reason to say like, well, I could mix this using my stock plugins or the plugins I have, but a professional is going to have much better equipment, a much better sounding room. And so again, that'll help them get a good result faster, which is kind of like ties in with your panel example as well as like, yeah, factories have these panels sitting on the shelf. You pay a little bit more, but you can get them in two days yeah. and hang them. Right. Yeah. That's, I, I feel like that's especially like a hidden cost that you don't think about with music production uh, because like the technology is readily available, but it's, it's not, the skill isn't readily available. 
Well, that's true too, because you could say, well, I have all the plugins. It's like, great. I have all the tools, but I don't know how to use a router that well. (laughs) Yeah. I have one, but that doesn't mean that I'll be able to use it efficiently and effectively and in the right case. Right. Yeah. I like our discussion. It's very, it's very interesting. I can think of like, with all that we've said, I can think of specific people I would definitely recommend. Yeah. You should mix your own album and other people I would say, you'd probably be better off giving it to somebody else. Maybe we can hone in and talk about like, um, some avatars of people that we would recommend. Mm. Let's talk about maybe the type of people that we would recommend doing their own mix. Sure. Well, I think in general, as a rule of thumb, like the simpler your production, the more likely you are to get something that you're happy with. So for example, you're doing a couple of songs where you're playing acoustic guitar and singing and maybe a tambourine. You can probably hack a decent mix together there with a couple of YouTube videos. Uh, so that would be one avatar is like your solo yeah. musician, singer, songwriter, maybe with sparse productions. Mm-hmm. I think along with that, like genre wise, if you're going for a more natural, like indie rock vibe, mm. if your whole sound is, we just want to capture uh, the sound of my acoustic band playing in coffee shops you really don't need to do too much mixing beyond like level leveling things out. I mean, right. You'll always get more from sending, sending it to like a professional mixing engineer. But if that's all you want is just a raw recording, like I don't see, I mean, I wouldn't steer people away from just doing it themselves in that situation. I agree with that. So something like the, the top, indie bands have a sound that's not super duper polished that's the aesthetic of the genre then yeah absolutely that can uh, that can work for you the other situation i could think of is maybe you don't want to get a professional sound all you want is a demo i think that that could be like worthwhile too like learn how to mix yourself i actually kind of ask for this from my clients is if you have a demo mix please send that over because sometimes that helps to translate the vibe that the artist is going for, because they might do something that I naturally wouldn't do with the song. And like, I'll just give you a simple example as far as maybe I naturally would put the vocals and the drums as the loudest instruments in the mix, but maybe this artist just wants the drums to be a, an afterthought and really quiet. And so it's just helpful to learn like, maybe a little bit of mixing. Don't put too much time into it, but learn enough that you can pull your productions together, kind of like our previous episode where Josh Doran was talking about um, level matching and panning and adding some a little bit of effects just to give the mixing engineer an idea of what to do with it. Exactly, yeah. That's exactly what I was saying with the, with the rough mix. As, for me, working on a mix, getting that rough mix is helpful because it tells me what the artist thinks is important. Yeah. And then I, from, from there I can, uh, actually Michael Brower has this, uh, technique he calls uh, match and improve M A I. And that's how he does it as well. He gets these mixes that are, you know, from fantastic producers they are 90% of the way there. He tries to match them and then improve them from there. Mm. So, yeah. I like that. I think the last situation and it's related to the previous one, the last situation I can think of is, you don't want a professional mix and 
you don't really have any aspirations for uh, your stuff to be like any better than just kind of getting it out there. Like you just want to create and, and release it. You're not interested in your music competing with what's on Spotify or on the radio. You're just doing it because it's a, it's a creative outlet and it's for fun. Then I say by all means, you know, go for it. Not everybody has to be like a, a Justin Bieber or, or get to that level. I feel like I run into this sometimes whenever I have people like ask me for, you know, quotes or reach out to me as far as um, doing a project because I feel like the level I'm coming, I'm coming at a project from is always like, I want you to sound as good as your favorite artist that you've heard. And so right. sometimes it just, I feel like it just doesn't make sense. And this is okay. It just doesn't make sense for maybe somebody at a level we're approaching it from to meet up with somebody that's just like, well, I'm just experimenting here. I don't really need that. I just kind of want to put it on YouTube for my friends to see. Right. Cool. So let's talk about maybe the avatar of people that we would recommend uh, sending to somebody else to to have their stuff mixed. Sure. So I guess just starting from, you know, the opposite, if you have a production heavy genre with a lot of tracks, a lot of layers, that could be an area where you struggle with getting it to sound good and getting it to sound like something that a professional band or artist in a similar genre would have. And that's true. I would say, I'll, I'll just stop my first point there because I would say really regardless of genre, if you have 30 40 like tracks or layers it's going to be trickier it's uh like larry crane of tape op editor calls mixing uh shoving kittens into a funnel (laughs) they don't want (laughs) to stay in there (laughs) so um that's where like you get into the really technical part of mixing and you know critical listening knowing which tool to pull out in which scenario and you'll struggle with those bigger productions i totally agree with this one one thing that I will tend to do when I'm working on a record, especially one that I'm recording, I like to level balance everything. And when it's a huge production, I'll still do the same thing. I'll level balance everything as much makes sense without any like tricky mixing techniques or EQ or compression. It's just level balanced. And like you said, once you get above like 30, the 30 track counted more, uh, it doesn't matter how good you pan or balance. That stuff just does not sound good together. Isn't enough. Yeah. Yeah. It's not enough to like have everything stand out and have its own space. So yeah, I totally agree with that. Cool. What's your next one? So the next one would be you're an artist that really does want to be at the next level. Like you want to push yourself to to be more successful than you are today, whether that means getting on a Spotify playlist, getting a record deal, just getting more reach out to fans that you don't have right now. Uh, I think it makes so much sense to hire somebody else out. And I mean, I totally know where you're coming from. That can be a hard thing. Like I, like I mentioned earlier, I like to do everything myself, but you really do open yourself up to so many more opportunities, not only just from getting your stuff to sound better than you can do just yourself, but just by giving it into the hands of somebody else, that's one more person with a whole nother circle of influence that has heard your stuff. 
that can put it out there into the world and they might have connections that you don't have. So I think there's a lot to be said for that as well. Absolutely. Um, there is this concept, which I, I don't know how I feel about this, to be honest with you, but it is very valid to say that you can hire people to do work for you to get their attention. You know, you might hire a, a mastering engineer, you know, because mastering is tends to be more affordable than mixing. If your stuff is really amazing, that mastering engineer probably has connections with people in the industry. And if that mastering engineer loves your stuff, they may push it somewhere that, you know, or they may want to talk to you or they may want to connect somehow. And so that is an interesting concept. In fact, there's a, the producer, there's a famous studio down the road from me called Studio Four. And, um, the younger engineer there is Will Yip. He's a he's a really hot producer right now. He does a lot of great punk stuff. Mm. He just did the new uh, Code Orange album and um, a bunch of stuff like that. So he was saying that like that's how he got a start. He was a he was a student. He was trying to find internships around Philadelphia. He was a student at um, Temple, I believe. He's trying to find internships at studios and nobody would like look at him because it's hard to find internships in studios. So he hired this one studio to master his album. And they were like, oh, these recordings sound pretty good. Where'd you do them? And he was like, I did them myself in my mom's basement. (laughs) And they were like, oh, wow. Okay. You want an internship? (laughs) Wow. So, you know, now he's like a big name. It's just an example, but like, yeah, just c- using that as a way to connect with people. Um, again, I'm I'm conflicted on this as a strategy, but it's valid. I think it's a valid strategy. I think there's a deeper truth there that I think is absolutely true, though. Like, I, I think that I'm on board with you as far as saying, I don't know if that strategy is the best strategy all the time, but I think the deeper truth is, is that as humans, we're definitely like a social species. We need each other as is so evident with like COVID that's happening. Even me mm. as an introvert, like sometimes it gets lonely and you just want to see other people. Yeah. And yeah, I miss my friends for sure. <laughs> yeah. And I think that there's something to be said for like, it's just a natural, I feel like it's almost like a natural law. I mean, Newton forgot this one, but it's a natural law of the universe that like the more people that you invite into your circle of influence in life, the more opportunities you just get. Mm, true, true. Newton was a huge introvert too. I don't think he, he was a shut-in actually. Was he really? He never, yeah, he never left the house. They had to convince him to publish the uh, Principe Mathematica or whatever, which is where his, uh, a lot of his theories come from. Dang. But, so he's, uh, he wouldn't have thought of that law, but you're absolutely right. The more people you can connect with, especially relevant to your industry, the better off you'll be, especially if you believe in your music, um, for sure. Awesome. Yeah, I think um, that about covers it. I think so, yeah. I will say, like, not to make this an advertisement for Calm Frog Recording, but I I offer free test mixes or t- test mix samples. I try to do this whole song if I can. But one of the things I tell people is to get a test mix, even if you're going to mix it DIY. And, and I will say the same thing. If you're going to do a whole album, pay somebody to mix one song. Give yourself a reference. 
right? That way you can at least have a target. Like this is what I'm aiming for. It'll help you sharpen your skills up a little bit and it'll help you understand how big the gap really is. Because if the gap is big enough, you may say, I mean, this is my hope, to be honest. My hope is that uh, people will say, wow, this sounds really good and good enough to justify paying for it. But if they don't, that's fine. I mean, I, I like I said, I encourage people to, to do that just to give themselves a target. Yeah, I think that goes back to what you said earlier, which I definitely think is true, that people don't know how good their stuff can actually sound. Right. Like the gap between what they think is possible and, you know, what is reality in the hands of a master is bigger than you think it is. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, with that said, go to comfrogrecording.com. Get your free <laughs> test mix. Maybe Ben will master it. And uh, we'll see. We'll see what <laughs> yeah. we'll see what can happen. Or vice versa. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, what do you what do you do? Are you doing anything like that? We don't have to keep this in the episode if you don't want. But no, that's curious. fine. Yeah, I'm totally down with a uh, free test mix. I don't advertise that, but like, yeah, I absolutely would. Okay, I don't think about it, but that's a great thing to offer. I play it by ear because I mean, honestly, like it's a as you know, Ben, it's a huge time sink for for me in a sense because you still have to do all the session prep, all the setup. Yeah, and if it's a really complex session, I'll usually just do like a chorus. Uh, if it's a simpler enough session, I'll try to do the whole song. Yeah, anyway, I, I encourage people to uh, to try that out. Cool. A couple of resources for you guys uh, that we like to pitch here. If you go to howtorecordyourband.com, you could download our free DIY recording ebook. There's a lot of cool reference information there, totally free. With that, you'll get a couple of emails on specific gear recommendations. So we encourage you to do that. And we'll leave you with our studio information in case you do want to reach out and see what's possible with your with your tunes. You can uh, find more my portfolio and get in touch with me at calmfrogrecording.com. And same with me. Uh, you can find me at dreamloudstudio.com or you can email ben at dreamloudstudio.com. We'd love to hear from you. And if nothing else, we hope that this episode just gave you some things to think about when considering whether or not to mix your own project. Absolutely. All right. Well, it's been a pleasure, Ben. And as always, until next time, it's the DIY Recording Guys reminding you to check yourself before you wreck yourself. All right. Have a good one. If you're enjoying the podcast, take a minute to leave a rating wherever you like to listen to it or share it with your friends on social media. Also, Benjamin and I are working engineers and we love helping people turn ideas into finished productions. So if you're interested in working with one of us or just want to discuss a project you're working on, reach out. You can find my work at calmfrogrecording.com. Get me on Instagram at calmfrogrecording or shoot me an email, vk at calmfrogrecording.com. And you can check Benjamin's work out at dreamloudstudio.com. Hit him up on Instagram at dreamloudstudio or by email, ben at dreamloudstudio.com. And finally, join our Facebook group to engage with a whole group of friendly, like-minded people who are interested in DIY recording. Just search for DIY Recording Guys on Facebook. Thank you so much for listening and for your continued support. We'll see you next week.